everyone, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Pattern Recognition, a show that seeks to connect the dots that lead to good business decision-making. I'm your host, John Hu, current investor at Norwest Venture Partners and former investment banker at Goldman Sachs. As a self-proclaimed yogi, I am incredibly excited to announce Mason Levy as today's podcast guest. Mason is the co-founder of Y7 Yoga, one of my favorite active lifestyle studios. Alongside his wife, Sarah, Mason co-founded Y7 in 2013 with the vision of reinventing yoga by adding hip-hop and much-needed energy to a commoditized experience. Recently featured on the cover of Inc. Magazine, Y7 Yoga has experienced quadruple-digit revenue growth over the past three years and is rapidly expanding across the United States. So in today's episode, Mason and I will discuss how Y7 transformed from a weekend-only class held in a tiny Manhattan loft to opening a dozen units. We'll also dive into his thoughts around optimizing unit economics at both the corporate and studio level, as well as the pain points he's currently looking to solve in the meditation market. So without further ado, let's get in the flow. Hey, Mason, how's it going? Good. How are you doing, John? Doing great. Appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to chat and thanks for having me on. So I'm a huge Y7 guy, and I would assume a large portion of the audience is as well. But just in case there's anyone who hasn't been to a class or isn't familiar with the experience, would love to set some context here and ask you, what is Y7? Y7 is sweat dripping, beat bumping, candlelit yoga. And basically, you go to visit one of our 12 locations, and you're able to take a really modern, music-driven, physically challenging yoga class and it's set in the candlelit room and it's done to amazing music and there's no mirrors and you're just in your own space and you get to have your own practice and really an awesome differentiated yoga experience. Yeah, I would definitely echo that. And I think the one reason why I like Y7 so much is because it takes all the healthiest aspects of yoga. So the mindfulness, the breathing and the flexibility work And then addresses the core issue that I think a lot of us have with yoga is that you pay so much for a class and you come out not really feeling like you've worked out, right? It lacks that intensity. And (laughs) Y7, though, it, for lack of a better term, kicks your butt. So it really creates this best of both worlds scenario where you still have that keen focus on mindfulness and the yoga aspect of exercise. But at the same time, you still get that intense soul cycle like yeah, feel exactly. with a high. It definitely, it definitely finds the right balance, like no pun intended. But yeah, we, we didn't want to lose like all the amazing heritage of yoga. But we also wanted to bring in like a lot of modern aspects like fun music and making sure you're sweating and we use this awesome infrared heating technology. And so it's all about finding the right balance and, and hopefully all of that equates to like a 60 minute vacation. And how exactly did you come up with the idea for Y7 and how did you turn that idea into action? So my wife, Sarah and I, and our co-founder, Brad, who's my best friend growing up, we started, you know, we used to practice a similar way in Michigan where we grew up, not exactly identical, but we had a friend who had a studio out there and, and he would just turn the lights down and play loud music. And it was just like a small community thing that we really enjoyed. And then we moved out to New York and we started trying different yoga studios out here. And not that they were bad, but it just, it really wasn't the way we wanted to practice yoga. And, and when we looked at the market, we were like, wow, like everything is sits in like a really safe, very traditional kind of music as an afterthought. I still have to go to the gym after a bucket. And so we were like, let's build something that's totally differentiated in the yoga space that gets a lot more people doing yoga. And so we started as a really small pop-up 
the first space we ever had, we rented on the weekends for three or four hours on Saturday and Sunday morning. And it was recording studio had like this extra loft space. And I went and put posters up all around the neighborhood. And we basically just started, we filled up a big trunk with heaters and candles and speakers and like all the things to make Y7, Y7. And we just started hosting these pop-ups on the weekends. And it was like the lowest cost way for us to deliver the experience that we wanted in a yoga practice. <laughs> and it's admittedly pretty funny for me to imagine you all stuck in a weekend rental, given how professional the Y7 experience is now. But I'm curious, <laughs> yeah. when you first started, just given how difficult being a founder and a CEO is, yeah. what were some initial mistakes you all made, whether that be with finding your first location or working with your first few customers? Yeah. Oh my gosh. We've learned so much along the way. I mean, it's, I feel like every day where some things don't work and some things do work. And I always tell the team, like, you know, it's okay if things don't work, we just learn from them. And then when things do work, like, how do we really play that up? And so, yeah, there's been a lot of different things. I mean, like, so one of the first things that we realized right away with the pop-up was, you know, if you're going to build a yoga experience, people want to be able to call that like home base. And they want to know that every Monday at 7 PM, they can go to the same location and get the same class. And so we realized pretty quickly, like, oh, wow, like, it's going to be hard to have that consistency in that home doing it as a pop-up. And so we were like, how do we find the cheapest kind of space that we can afford to make it permanent? I mean, we found this shared creative space where we had our own room, but it was like fully ours, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we could fit like eight mats. And so, you know, that was something that we learned early on. You know, there's been things along the way where consistency is super important and we've wanted to like, let's try a class with weights or let's try, you know, all these different things. And we've always decided that trying those things is a distraction and that's staying really simple and really true to what we're good at is the best thing. And then, you know, all sorts of stuff. I did a lot of the real estate and do, you know, help with the real estate at Y7 and all sorts of stuff on negotiating spaces and learning about leasing retail spaces and dealing with contractors and build outs. I mean, it's just like endless types of different things that you learn, learn along the way. What really resonates to me there is that consistency of brand. I think when you go to coastal cities like New York or LA, where Y7 has a really strong presence. Yep. It's fairly common for me to open my Instagram stories on a Saturday or Sunday morning and see Y7 yoga just plastered all over my feed, especially that sign that says we flow hard. <laughs> and in the same light, it's unsurprising for me to see the yoga works and the orange theories of the world start to say, oh, hip hop yoga, you know, that sounds pretty cool. We should try that out. So I'm curious, why do you think customers will continue to come back to Y7 in the face of cheaper copycat alternatives? Yeah, it's a really good question. You know, our team, we try to stay really focused on the customer and just stay super obsessive on the customer experience and what we're offering. And we try not to pay too much attention to competitors. I think, you know, there's different elements that help us stay unique. I think like 95% of our classes are all one framework. And we've really mastered the art of being, we have over a hundred yoga teachers now. So being able to onboard yoga teachers and we take them through a whole pretty massive extensive training on how to teach a Y7 class. Cause there's a lot of things in there that are not kind of standard yoga class stuff. And so I think staying true to our framework and being able to train teachers and being able to, you know, we've always had a culture of feedback with our teachers and, 
and our whole company really a really open feedback system. And so I think that's part of it. And then I think really having an authentic brand, like everything that we did at Y7 really came from a place of authenticity. Like it's candlelit because we want you to feel confident in the room. Like there's no mirrors because we don't want you just having to stare at yourself like through the whole practice. It's music driven because we love music and how it can motivate you. And just every aspect of it is just super authentic to like how we wanted to practice yoga. And so I think continuing to build an authentic brand retaining consistency, hiring great teachers. I think it's just a lot of components that come together that allow us to continue to kind of keep the competition away and and just staying focused at what we're good at. So you took an idea and you turned it into a pop-up. You then took that pop-up, turned it into your first location, and now you've got 12 locations and a real business on your hands. What are some KPIs and metrics that you use to track and gauge the health of that business? It's interesting when you're running a business that's very brick and mortar, very retail based, you have your studios, which generate profits and and revenues, but then you have a corporate team. And so you go through these different phases where like, if you want to invest in growth, you have to bring on a corporate team, right? And then you need like a certain number of locations to like cover the cost of the corporate team. And then you hit a certain threshold where you know, you're profitable and then you keep growing and you want to build up the corporate team more. And so you go through these different phases as you go from like, we've seen different phases as you go from like four to 10 to, you know, as we head to like 15 or 20 locations. And so that's really interesting cycle. And you have to believe that you're investing for growth. And then, you know, at the studio level, we try to keep it really simple. And with a yoga business, it's not too complicated. You know, there's some core KPIs we look at, like obviously, so we look at earned revenue per visit, right? Like what are we earning per yoga customer that comes through the door? We look at, you know, what's the average per visit apparel or accessories spend? Uh, What's the average water spend? So we're looking at those sort of revenue things. And then on the cost side, it's like, what is the cost for our yoga teachers? What is the cost for our in-studio operations labor? What are we spending on laundry? That's actually a surprising one for people that laundry costs are KPI. And so, yeah, there's, there's not too many things at the studio level. It's about, you know, four to six KPIs that drive a, a yoga studio business at that level. And we just keep a close eye on them and try to optimize as best as possible. And then we sort of look at our corporate team as just sort of a different, sort of a totally different entity that kind of runs all that helps to run all the locations. So there are two themes there that I want to dig in on. Number one being the idea of corporate leverage. And what I mean by that is the initial investment that you have to make into a team that handles all the general and administrative work that comes with running a business and running, let's say, the first 10 locations. But theoretically, that same team can help you handle 25 or even 50 locations at the same relatively fixed cost structure. So as your cost structure to a certain degree stays flat, you're opening up more units and driving more revenue and therefore driving higher margins on the corporate side. Exactly. And the second theme is on a studio level where you had mentioned upselling your customers into apparel or buying a water bottle. And that's all in an effort to drive a higher average revenue per customer per visit. So I'm also curious at the studio level, how do you think about driving higher repeat visit rates? So for example, what is your first to second time conversion rate on repeat visits? And what are some levers you pull in order to increase that number? Yeah, so um, we typically see like one out of every two people that try Y7 will come back again. That's kind of what we see on average. But 
our marketing team and the way we think about it is we try and think about like the new customer journey and we think about like the different touch points. And so like, you know, as soon as you sign up for an account with Y7, you get an email, like depending on what type of package you buy, we have different sort of CRM journeys. And so we try and coach people along and encourage them. We always say it takes about three Y7 classes to really get the swing of it and get into it. And so we're just constantly you know, trying to help people along the journey. But at the same time, we want to be like authentic and not pushy. And so we're, we're trying to get people to enjoy it and educate them on it. And some people absolutely love Y7 and some people it's, you know, it's just not for them. It's not their type of yoga experience and we're okay with that. And so we just do the best job we can to give people what they need to give great customer service and to kind of treat the customers the way we would want to be treated as well. I love that you had mentioned the use of a CRM there in order to better understand your customer's journey, right? And then therefore better serve and better personalize their future customer experience. And I'm sure part of that plays into why you have a one out of two repeat visit rate, which to be clear from an industry benchmarking standpoint is phenomenal. So pat on the back there. Thanks. (laughs) But speaking about the broader industry, I'm curious, are there any consumer facing companies that you look up to and why is that? We love what SoulCycle has done. Obviously, they built an amazing brand. And like when I take a SoulCycle class, I just have a phenomenal time because I personally love music and love the energy. You know, I think Aesop is a really cool brand in the in the skincare space. Um, and I think that they they stay really true to their values and I love their products and they're not like too expensive where you can't afford them. I love the Ace Hotel group. I think Ace Hotels are just so cool and so consistent. Also, Glossier. I think Glossier has done an amazing job at just empowering people and bringing really cool products to market and building a community. So we're always looking up to different brands and drawing inspiration. And a lot of times it's not necessarily just fitness brands. You know, it could be fashion. It could be skincare. It could be hospitality. Like we think cool brands are just cool brands and they can provide a lot of insight, you know, kind of regardless of what's being sold. Yeah, and I think the two recurring themes there are, number one, the consistency of the customer experience, and number two, the authenticity of the brand. And what's so funny to me about the latter as an investor is the intangible nature and soft quality of a quote-unquote brand. And it's a very unique and nuanced aspect of building a consumer-facing business. And it's very difficult to quantify, very difficult to project out into the future. So how do you go about building a sustainable brand? Like I love building brands. Sarah, my wife, loves building a brand. And Brad, our other co-founder, came from the creative world. And building brands is definitely an art, not a science. And you, you have to care, right? Because people will pressure you to, you know, go to discount sites and run discounts and People will pressure you to just drive numbers and not like, and building a brand is so different, right? It's like, how does this photography feel on our Instagram grid? And what sort of language, you know, we, you know, our tagline is we flow hard. Like we want to be empowering and differentiated. And, you know, in front of our studios, we put up a tribe called sweat. And so the really cool thing about building a brand is just like, it's in everything that you do. It's how you treat your team. It's how you communicate to your clients. It's your photography. It's literally everything you do is helping to shape and create your brand. And if you're building a consumer brand today, 
we just feel it's, it's so important to do something that's fun and differentiated and, and that people can really get behind. That really resonates with me as a customer. It's always funny walking up the steps and seeing the words, a tribe called sweat painted on the walls, which I always thought was one of the funniest puns out there. Um, but, but you've seen phenomenal growth with your first 12 locations. And those have admittedly been in coastal cities with a very specific demographic, right? One that has a higher salary, one that's really into fitness and wellness. So I'm curious how you think about growth beyond your core market, right? Because at some point, Y7 grows really quickly and you run out of the New Yorks and Hong Kongs and Londons of the world. I mean, what do you think is next for Y7? So, I mean, I think we're in this really interesting spot where it's like, it feels like with 12 locations and 300 employees and like, it feels like, oh my gosh, we've done so much. But then it also feels like, wait, we, we haven't even started. We're just in the beginning. So it's a really interesting position to be in. We do think that we're very focused on cities right now. We do think that there is a lot of cities between U.S. and international that we can go after and we have a lot of work to do to roll out in those cities and open Y7s there. And then, you know, we are thinking about, you know, do we want to franchise? We get requests every day to franchise. And so we're thinking about how could we support franchisees and what markets would franchise make sense? So, you know, we, if we do it, we want to do it really right. And so that's definitely a thought for markets where we don't feel like we could be the best in market operator. So I think cities will definitely try and corporately own and operate and grow. And then for markets that are less dense or or not, you know, bigger cities, we think that franchising makes sense. And how do we do it right? And who are the right partners and everything that kind of goes into that? So I really want to emphasize the who are the right partners part of that. Because when you talk to founders who have put their blood, sweat and tears into building a brand for years on end, it's oftentimes terrifying to outsource your brand and trust someone else with this baby that you've built over time. So how do you go about vetting a potential franchisee or even a new yoga instructor? I mean, what are some qualities you look for to extend the Y7 brand? To be totally honest, when it comes to franchisees, it's still like we have a long time and a lot of cities for us to like corporately go in and own and operate on our own. So you know, I'm not sure when it comes to franchisees exactly what the exact due diligence will be. I think first and foremost, are they passionate about the brand? Have they ran a business before? Are they connected in their community? And do we think that they're the right fit on that end? I think there's different things, but I, I would say we're probably a fair bit away and we, we are not definitely not franchise experts at the current moment. In terms of yoga teachers, We look for yoga teachers that are open-minded. They understand that we really want to get as many people doing yoga as possible. And in in many ways, Y7 is a gateway into yoga for a lot of people, which is really cool. And we always say, like, we get them there for, you know, for the Beyonce music, and then they end up, like, going on retreats and taking workshops. And so we're looking for people that are open-minded, that love music, and that really want to hold and create, like, a dynamic experience in class and can hold like hold a room and have a lot of confidence and people that are willing to go through our training and try and learn and be open to feedback. Got it. And one thing to note is that you recently took a step back from the operator role and are now sitting at a board shareholder level role. I'm curious in that transition, have you reflected on any blind spots that 
you may have had as an operator that now that you're not so stuck in the weeds of the granular day-to-day business, you can see? Yeah, so I've moved into board member and shareholder role and have spent the past five and a half years as daily CEO and, and founder of Y7. And, you know, we're at a really awesome place where we know who we are and we know what we do. And our, our focus right now is how do we open more locations? And because we just get constant requests for different cities and different locations. And so it's really about brick and mortar growth and replicating what we've already built right now. And so, you know, to step back and kind of see, I think there's always things that could be done better. I think more leadership training, right? Like if you think about LeBron James, like, or some different famous athletes, like how much time do they spend getting coached versus how much time do they get spent playing? And so like, I think there's room for myself. And I think a lot of people to step back and in business, get more coaching and more leadership training and stuff. I think, you know, just being more strict about setting goals and setting vision. Um, I think we could have set our core values and vision and mission and rolled that out earlier internally. So in hindsight, it's like, there's always things we could have done earlier and faster, but Ultimately, you know, I think we've done a a great job and we've built an amazing team of people who we wouldn't be here today without them. So, (laughs) and I'm looking forward to you guys opening up a location in San Francisco. I know. Definitely San Fran. We get requests there all the time. Love that market. We really want to be out there. We think it it will do really well. We've heard that a lot of other boutique fitness options do amazing out there. (laughs) Yeah. Berries and SoulCycle have a strong presence here, so they're definitely looking for some competition. (laughs) Well, look, Mason, you're starting off on a new adventure again, this time around meditation. So we'd love to hear what you're working on and what pain points you're looking to solve in the meditation market. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I love starting companies from scratch. I tell that to other people and they're like, are you crazy? Like, that sounds insane. (laughs) But I really love the creativity of just creating something from total scratch. And so when we look at the meditation market five to five and a half years later here, it's very similar to how we felt about the yoga market is that there's a lot of options. But in our minds, like everything kind of sits in like a very similar, traditional, very safe bucket. And so you know, I meditate in, in our Y7 classes and I consider that more of like a moving meditation and, and I really enjoy it. But I've tried to have just a standalone meditation practice. and I, I've never been able to find something that I could really connect with. And I love building brands and experiences that are first and foremost for myself. I have to be like the end user or else it's like really hard for me to build something. And so I tried different meditation classes if I can get to them in person. And I've tried some of the apps and to me, there's just, I don't connect with them. Like they're not multi-sensory. They're not immersive for me. It's a lot of work for me to get into, like I'm pretty ADHD and it's hard for me to get into like a very calm state. And so we're building Wave, which is music meditation that you can feel. And so our whole goal with Wave and our whole mission is well, one, how do we get as many people in the world meditating as possible? Because we think it can only benefit the world in general. But secondly, how do we become the fastest way and the easiest way to help get you from like running around, being in fight or flight kind of crazy mode to getting into like a super deep, relaxed and meditative state? And so we're doing that with content, hardware and software. And so what happens is you'll be able to buy one of our wave cushions that enables you to feel music in the meditation cushion and you throw on your headphones and open the wave app 
and you're able to listen to a guided meditation that has music integrated in and not just in the background, like we're actually like proactively using music to take you on a sonic journey. And so it's this awesome mix of like someone guiding you through a meditation, really amazing modern music coming in, flowing in through the track. And then at the same time, you're just resting on the meditation cushion and feeling the vibration from the music in your body. And so that experience for me is like, that's the way I want to meditate. And it's something that we're really excited about. And so it's, it's very different than Y7. It's not, you know, brick and mortar group classes. Um, this is more, you know, your ability to use this at home, in your office, in hotels. We want to come out with a neck pillow for the airplane. We want this to be on your time. And, you know, just doing this for 10 minutes a day when you have 10 minutes can be really super impactful, just getting that rest and relaxation time. Yeah, it almost sounds like a mobile Peloton for meditation. Yeah, definitely. Very similar, very inspired by what Peloton's built. And yeah, we're coming out with cool cushions that just feel like, you know, you could keep them in your apartment or house and you don't have to hide them. We, we want them to feel down to earth and approachable, not like a virtual reality headset <laughs> or other things that are like too gadgety. And so, yeah, just same thing with Y7, like it's all about simplicity and consistency. And we're really excited about, you know, the meditation market and how we can just bring this to the world and get more people meditating. Yeah. And I can speak towards my own experiences with meditation where I've tried the apps, I've tried the boutiques and throughout my ups and downs with meditation, I never stick with it after a few weeks. And I always turn off at some point, which admittedly is solely due to my own lack of discipline. So I'm curious, how do you think about retention for the long term with meditation? You know, the way we think about it is like, we just have to build an amazing ritual. Like, so we always say the wave comes together with first, we build an amazing brand like we did with Y7. Then we build a really awesome app that feels more like a music app and, and less like a meditation app. Then our content is like super interesting unique, different, and constantly getting updated. And then our cushion is like a place of ritual, a place where you want to come back to it, a place of, you know, this is home base for me. And so we think that if we combine all these factors together, that's how we sort of get that repeat use and that ritual going on. And so it's a ton of work to kind of nail all those things, but we're really confident in it. And we have a prototype now and sample content, and we've been having all our friends and family and people try it. And it's just been, it's really awesome. And so we think, you know, making it easy, right. And then also like being able to have different form factors of our hardware. So like if you're at home, you have our bigger cushion, but then if you're able to travel and get on an airplane and you have our neck pillow, like, you know, just being able to move with people as they go about their days and, and lives is important as well. Mason, that is an awesome vision. And I want to thank you for taking the time today. It was absolutely fantastic hearing about your thoughts on brand and customer experience. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. Once again, a huge, huge thank you to Mason for joining us today. I had a ton of fun and I'm looking forward to sweating out my next Saturday hangover in a Y7 class. In the meantime, if you enjoyed the show, I'd love if you gave me a quick rating and review as well as sent any feedback or guest recommendations my way. You can reach me on Twitter at John Heezy, that's J-O-H-N-H-E-E-Z-Y, or on Instagram at John Jihu, that's J-O-H-N-G-H-U. So thank you all for tuning in, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.